Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. is over, but we're just getting started over here at Post Show Recaps. Hello, my friends. It is I, Rich Filiberto, DM Philly, out here on the internet, and I am very excited to be here with you today, uh, beginning anew our Post Show Recaps Yellowstone coverage. I, of course, am not alone. I am joined by uh, my immaculate, my favorite podcast host, the Great Grace Leader. Grace, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I got this Y branded on my chest. I'm ready to go. I work at Yellowstone Dutton Cattle Ranch. That's, that's very convenient, <laughs> uh, especially knowing you haven't watched Yellowstone yeah. until this project. That's I really gotta convenient. Say, you happen to have I, a Y brand. I didn't do it. A man came to my house and made me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's uncanny because a very similar thing happened to me a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah? Um, was that man Josh Wiggler? Or, it was Josh Wiggler, yeah. yeah. It was Josh Wearing a cowboy hat, which I thought was weird. but It's know. a good look for him, a real mm-hmm. urban cowboy that that yeah. mr wiggler we are going to be talking about yellowstone uh the series premiering on network tv for the first time as they're taking it out for another spin it's airing after sunday night football and so grace and i are going to be here every week breaking down the episodes as they are dropping uh we got a feed we said grace there is a yeah. dedicated yellowstone feed postshowrecaps.com slash yellowstone That's you can probably find um the, the yellowstone coverage that has been done here previously there the discussions about 1883 and 1923. Yeah. Yeah. Not 1899. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah. it's worth noting Yellowstone was like uh, the premier kind of flagship show of the Taylor Sheridan production machine mm. that has been putting out a lot of TV over the last couple of years. 1883, a prequel, the 1923 prequel. Tulsa King is not quite a spinoff, though, by the same creators and existing in the same cinematic universe. What do we call a television universe, Grace? I think it is a cinematic because I think the Marvel, no, a uh, t- uh, television universe, right? Okay. Um, it was yeah. the MTU. Is that not right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The MTU. That definitely yeah. did not catch on. <laughs> I don't think and there's probably a reason for it. Uh, um, I have watched all of Yellowstone and all of these associated shows yes. that we just named, Grace. This is your yeah. first foray to the Dutton Ranch, is it not? This is. Uh, I, this is a show that has been on my radar because it's one of those shows that kind of around probably like season three or four. I was like, how does the show have three seasons of the show? And it's like maybe the mm-hmm. most watched show. And I've never I haven't really like heard of it, really. Uh, it, it feels big. Like, you know, I'm covering the morning show here on Post Recaps. And that show feels like a show that would have been a breakout hit on cable television and then ended up on a streaming service instead. And it's because it has the feel of I like 
cable shows of the past of a little bit. It's, we, Ariel and I do say it's a little bit like Grey's Anatomy, but at a morning show. This mm. one, I feel like totally has this vibe as well, that this feels like it, it, it's like, you know, the fact that it's airing on CBS feels like, cause it's of a time before streaming i think a little yep. bit as i was oh, watching yes. the first two episodes um, my dad has watched all of it he was delighted to tell me and i had to tell him please don't spoil me on anything because i'm going to watch Yellowstone. um so yeah i feel like uh, i'm excited to dive in because as you know rich i recently watched a ton of movies as i went to the toronto international film festival and i heard the term for the first time of being a culture vulture which is when you voraciously consume culture you can't stop and i feel like yellowstone is on my list of things to watch be but because of this of like a kevin costner tv show that's immensely popular okay i'll give it a try let's see let's see what it's got uh i've talked a bit about like the sheridan uh television universe with uh josh troy joined us on some of the coverage they're talking about tulsa king and so i am a huge kevin costner fan i am an unapologetic like stan of kevin the robin hood prince of thieves like formative kind of film for me i think Waterworld is like uh, it just an incredibly delightful romp that has unfairly been maligned over 30 years of film criticism since it arrived uh I, the bodyguard i could take it or leave it but so i love Love Costner. I love this kind of stuff. These this kind of fiction, right? Uh, these salt of the earth people. I'm a real rural country guy. I live in upstate New York, as you know, and so um, it, it just evokes a lot of sentimentality that feels familiar to my kind of lived family experience. I could say last year at Thanksgiving, while discussing the uh, many shows that I cover here on Post Show Recaps, nobody could care less until I mentioned Yellowstone, Grace, right. at which. Right. There was great exuberation and celebration for my family. They're like, well, we've all watched that. So it's one of those kind of shows for me as well, where I'm always like meeting people that are like, but Yellowstone, but Yellowstone, yeah. people really love this show. I think to, we we come from similar backgrounds. I'm from actually like rural Ontario. This is like I grew <laughs> up on country music. Um, there is a little bit of like country culture in rural Ontario and in, in many places in rural Canada. Um, I think people would be surprised uh, to to think of that, but but it is. It's in, in the most popular country station uh, or radio station is the country station. So. I feel this. I feel this too. Uh, this synergy, and then a lot of people. When I go back home for Thanksgiving, even if it's a month sooner than you do, uh, Rich, I have the same the same thing. As my dad watches Yellowstone, my brother, I believe, watched Yellowstone as well. So I'm excited to dig into it. In fact, I've watched three episodes, so I'm I'm in it. I feel like indeed, I too have watched three episodes. So that's <laughs> convenient. That's uh -huh. uh, perfect for us to talk about these three episodes. So we're going to be talking about the first three episodes of season one: uh, Daybreak, Kill the Messenger, and No Good Horses. Um, the three of them have all aired over the last couple of weeks, and we're going to break all of them down. I'm really curious, Grace, is like your first like experience delving into all of them. Uh, what your takeaway is just from like kind of crashing into the the this this Sheridan verse and heading to the Dutton Ranch. The episode one starts like a giant fashion. I mean, it's almost a movie in its own it with like a solid hour and a half runtime, just about. Yeah, so this is really interesting. I think this experiment of taking a show that was on a streaming platform and putting it weekly on television, I know that um, Yellowstone initially aired as a weekly show on Paramount too. It's not a, it's not like a traditional binge show in that way. But I think it's really interesting. And they aired the first two episodes, I believe, on September 17th, and then episode three aired the next day. So we're playing a little bit of catch up here on CBS airing these on, on Sunday nights. But I, I think this is a really smart choice. I think that the beginning is really compelling. It creates a bit of an, an epic world. It, uh, I think, you know, I too am a huge Kevin Costner fan. Uh, this, you know, is he the best baseball? Is he the best fictional baseball actor ever? I think so. Uh, <laughs> he has two of the best in Field of Dreams and Bull Durham. I love him. I, I think he's amazing, and he plays this role of John Dutton so well. The 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 empire to the Dutton family ranch. And then it's very fun to have, you know, th this is, you know, there's a there's a theme of this recently. Right. So succession, um, the three slash four children uh, mm -hmm. who, who perhaps uh, could inherit the thing. That's not exactly where we set up at the beginning. This is much more about, uh, I feel like, the uh, the threats to John Dutton and, and what he has built. Uh, but I thought it was done really well. And I will say at the end of the first the first episode, they go real hard. They do not uh, shy oh. away. We've, 
we talked about a show recently, uh, Foundation, about uh, people were really upset about the lack of stakes in that show, that there are some characters on the show that will never not be on that show, it feels like. Not the case here in episode one of Yellowstone. And I, I think that they built a really compelling world. I already have some of my my favorites, uh, people that uh, I feel like I can root for. And then I see them doing bad things. I'm like, I don't know if I should be rooting for you, but I, I you're a cowboy. So what am I? who am I to stay? So I think they've built a really interesting world and i can see why this caught on as a popular television show uh for sure you talk about episode one ending in this gigantic fashion you know so much of tv is formulaic to a degree uh you and i watch a lot of tv i should know this already grace have you watched the sopranos yes i have watched the sopranos. yes okay so i think that yellowstone gets compared rightfully so to the sopranos very right. often where it is like this kind of uh really family drama it is a character driven drama that is kind of got the trappings of this sort of not genre show but a very like specific slice of life in these various kind of subcultures of Americana and they couldn't be more different in terms right. of like the rural New Jersey mob family and like the big Dutton ranch out there in the, in the West. But fundamentally they're really hitting a lot of the same beats. I think that there's huge mirrored energy uh, like the succession pull maps very well onto this. But I remember watching episode one and being so taken in by it back to this notion of like the formula of TV and feeling like, okay, I, I see what we're doing here. You like to, say often grace and i think it resonates true let the show tell you what it is and teach mm -hmm. you how to kind of watch it and what it's going to be and and as we come to the conclusion of episode one in hindsight it feels rather obvious but the death of like our eldest son lee dutton is just an incredible i think uh inciting incident to galvanize this whole family and really set the trajectory of what season one's going to look like the other three kids are all such kind of like mm, misfit toys in their own various ways Yes. And and Taylor Sheridan himself, um, he's got a kind of interesting background. He really like owns this cowboy role in a big giant way now. He didn't necessarily grow up on a ranch. His mother bought one when he was like 10 years old. And his connection to that lifestyle comes from the trips that they would take there at when he was a kid and the time that he spent there. And so I can relate to that as somebody that grew up in a more urban place and used to take these trips to like the family farm, as it were. But he's very known for this idea that he wants the most like rudimentary and simplest of plots where he can really focus all in on character. These are his own words that he has popularized, Grace. And I think that part of what we'll be doing here is like interrogating the, the veracity of that along the way, because I do feel like the first three episodes are a bit bombastic in terms of the events that are happening. And that way it feels like traditional network TV where every week some like incredible kind of thing is sort of happening. But the episode one, I, I, I with you it just catapults us with such forward energy into the story at large of john dutton just trying desperately to preserve this empire his family's empire i mean they've got a helicopter with the ranch's name on its butt, Chris. <laughs> yeah. you know? like i don't think either of our childhoods included that and and the death of the heir apparent in lee which like sets us up for everything that we're going to follow is they're trying desperately to defend this lifestyle against modernity basically yeah i mean i think that that's interesting i'm interested to to sort of watch it in terms of, i do feel like yellowstone gets a bit tagged in terms of having a certain demographic who watches it and so i am interested in sort of watching how the politics of this show um play out but i do think i, I give the show credit at the beginning here of building a really fascinating world of involved in uh, the politics of of Montana uh, in terms of uh, the governor. You have a man who I will not be able to call anything but Laird. And that's not even his real name. It's his I name know. from Succession. <laughs> Uh, but he's playing basically like uh, you know the guy who wants to to build the subdivision on on the land nearby near the river, and then with uh, the First Nations group that that lives nearby, and all of these sort of things that in different ways and to different degrees are threats to to, to yeah. I mean he he has this conversation right with. Uh, I believe his name is uh, Danny Houston. I'm going to try to get his name. That is his name. Yes. Danny Houston. He uh, plays Dan the, Jenkins on the show. Yeah. Uh, one of yeah. the uh, like great Colonel strikers of, of X-Men fame along the yeah. way. Yeah. That was always my favorite thing about succession is we had dueling Colonel strikers. <laughs> He's a great actor. We got our guy, Gil yeah. Birmingham back to his Thomas um, Rainwater. I mean, they're great. I about Gil Birmingham. I yeah. Gotta say. 
yeah yeah uh he was uh one of the standouts of under the banner of heaven which you and i covered here on post show recaps but yeah uh, yeah and he, uh, they have this conversation and I think uh, John says, like, yeah, just I don't want anything to change. And nothing comes through this town and gets changed uh, without my approval, basically. Uh, and lots of people trying to prove him wrong, that he is not the sole <laughs> occupying a force in in uh, this town, in Montana, in this ranch. So I thought it, it built that up really well. Threw a surprise twist to me at the end in terms of losing Lee, uh, so the oldest child. But I do think that that's, you know, I, I think your point about it, it makes sense in retrospect is interesting because I really didn't see it coming because i thought this would be sort of you know i'm used to uh this is this is a lot about the children of of people i feel like that's a yep. common theme in in media these days is like examining because our society some would say is in a not super great place i think people mm -hmm. are trying to examine um people's and like how this came to be and often this is like through fathers or these larger than life figures who created the world that we live in now in this example being you know the dutton ranch the yellowstone ranch um and i thought that that's where we we would go but that's you know we still will get that obviously in jamie and beth and and casey um but i i do agree that they're they, they all seem much more um you know, there's an interesting because because Lee and his father do have this conversation about whether or not he's ready to take it over. And yep. his father seems to be like, yeah, you're not exactly you don't think the same way as I, you're thinking as a rancher, not as a cattleman or so whatever the, the conversation they have. Um, and then to see him off the board, I thought was a really interesting choice to kick off. It was a great one. subversion of expectations. I love the point that you're making. You and I specifically have talked a lot about the kind of generational disconnect between parents and children uh, in a lot of places over the last couple of months, but certainly in our conversations about dark, I think it's always really interesting and it will be so forever because it is this pattern that repeats itself as as the species propagates, right? right? There is such a kind of disconnect with the parents. I just found the choice to really subvert my expectations in a powerful way, where so many shows, you kind of, I at least, can speculate as to where they're going by the end. So I'm glad to hear that you were also surprised by it and kind of taken in by the twist. Like, once you look back at it, it becomes pretty apparent, like, Lee is too perfect for the job, right? He's obviously, like, the only one who's really been groomed for the position. And this strikes close to home for me as well as a person that has spent my adult life uh, in rural New York. I have a lot of uh, friends and like associates who kind of take over the businesses, the family run businesses and the way that there's all these kind of like interfamilial struggles and politicking that happens around that and the way that kind of even when the air is as good as a Lee Dutton is like, you know, um, the, the father or the powers that be kind of have to hold it back and are you ready and are you not ready? It was very interesting to me, but it, they just managed to run the through line for me of um, really compelling ensemble and, and a strong like cast of characters out of the gate. And it ended in this wildly explosive fashion that that is really striking where you have, you know, a, a man's like kind of brother-in-law killing his brother and he's got to kill the brother. I mean, there's so much soap opera energy too, Grace. Anybody who wants to like dispute that Yellowstone is a soap opera, like, I don't know, go watch 20 episodes of like Days of Our Lives and get back to me there's a lot of mirrored energy there and i think for the most part it's good this is like the the grist for the mill that we're going to be talking about yeah i mean why put the attention on a on the the ranch that is boring right it has to be yeah stuff that's happening to the degree that it maybe is a little bit uh silly is not the right word but i do feel like you know talking about stakes earlier about the mm -hmm. fact that they do choose to kill off lee i think one of the choices that's really interesting is that over the course of three episodes i believe casey kills uh, a man in every episode <laughs> Yes. Which maybe yes. undermines the fact that yes. he's like killed a man in episode one. It's like the, the tension here is about the fact that, yeah, he kills his brother-in-law basically. Right. And then, and then it's like, oh, that's a big deal. That feels mad that he did. That. I don't want to <laughs> spoil anything for you, Grace. I know you haven't watched it, but like, uh -huh. yes, Casey will kill somebody in every episode of this okay. show from now until the end. You can count it at least one person. It's a real like a uh, blood spree that he goes on. I, I mean, that's part of it. I think that it opens with like a bit of bombastic fashion in like Casey's trajectory specifically. And we'll talk about that a little bit, but we've already like honed in on the Kevin Costner of it all. Uh, yeah. John Dutton. 
I'm curious, like, how you're feeling about the interpretation of this character. I, I think Coster is, like, really great in the role. Um, he, I believe, is not coming back to reprise his role. Like, if, yeah. if and when Yellowstone returns, there have been a lot of, like, kind of uh, conflict around the negotiations and the discourse there. But I think that he so fully embodies the role and, like, clearly is kind of like the star holding up the tent as this thing gets started, right? Yeah, I, I think that Casey is my favorite character, but there's no doubt that Kevin Costner as John Dunn is probably the best performance on, on the show. It's so subtle and, and nuanced in a way. That seems silly that it's like a big cowboy show, but he just doesn't give off uh, so much emotion, and yet he, it's really clear what he wants. If that, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, I think no, it's he's such it a good actor yeah. that... Him playing off of everybody is 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 really strong, and just he's he's such a dynamic presence. I think that you know you almost for me I could almost just spend that out an hour a, a week just watching Kevin Costner. I think he's that he's that good. I really do think he's a really good actor, and so I feel like he really grounds everything uh, to and to a degree that it doesn't really feel like he's playing that much of a of a of a character feels really lived in this this performance um and you know the way that he you know when he's going out with lee to uh to check on um the cattle and then there's the the there's the uh the cow that's giving birth and they go and do oh, it. Yeah. And like, it just feels like, yeah, this is what he does. This is who, who this man, John Dutton um, is. He's also at the sale. Right. And, and, um, and, and he's with the governor and then with the governor later. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I think that he, I, you know, I can see why the show is potentially successful. You call them a tent pole. I think just then, I, I think that that's exactly right. That he is sort of holding this thing together. Not that the other performances are bad. I don't think that that at all, but I think he's so capable to, to, to hold down a television show um i think it's really impressive through the first three episodes yeah i'm i really appreciate that you have a similar perspective because i just think the guy is a little underappreciated as an actor he's not like been in a ton of other stuff over the last like 10 years in recent history right he's very much like the rock solid on yellowstone and in that way i do think it's such a subtle performance and that's part of why i think the show has garnered the kind of success that it has i mean again just to like speak to my personal experience i come from this like tried and true tradition grace of like the strong silent type the patriarch of the family this whole notion that like this guy is like the pillar around which like we all kind of count time and the world orbits in that way and the way that he has to explore like the subtle grief of losing his son all of that the like crying with the horse the scene that he has there with his oldest son where he's like what do you see when you look at the cow and he's like i see a life i have to protect and all of it and i'm like yep and that's the difference between a cowboy and a rancher there's just um it feels lived in to your point and i think that that really resonates with a lot of american men who who have been raised in this kind of tradition you know and they can see in the john dutton character um like almost like something aspirational there if not something that they very closely relate to this idea of like you know your your emotion is for the quiet of yourself after the ceremony of burying your eldest son right um and and you know the kind of respect and the reverence given to this guy to john dutton by like all the other players that were meeting in montana right the whole story of like jimmy and this favor that he's going to do of taking it and he says it's going to be my way and the other old guys i remember when everything was your way it's a shame it was better than this is really like part of the theme that we're going to get and john dutton is like the avatar for the old guard the old way of doing things um notably we get like some of the flashbacks where we see young john dutton portrayed by josh lucas and i love young john dutton stuff <laughs> like it's just one small flashback scene of him like going to deal with the fallout of his wife's death clearly this notion that he expresses in episode three of like where he's talking to jimmy and jimmy's like yeah you know they say after my mom died like my family died and he's like no it's it's the same for us we're just dying slower that seems like an important kind of through line at least of john dutton's perspective of like part of what he's fighting against with his family yeah, I I, re I do like uh, I thought that the actually the flashback stuff actually did remind me of um, is it the old man that we watched and they yes, had people yes. playing uh, young young Jonathan Lithgow and and young uh, gosh who's the lead uh, Jeff Bridges Jeff Bridges and they were just like 
cast perfectly when I saw yes. Josh Lucas as young Coster's like, oh, that's good. That's really good. Um, I think that the the other thing about John that I really like is, you know, in these shows that, you know, I we've talked a lot about whether the anti-hero had sort of gone away oh, whether yeah. whether anti-heroes were a thing that people wanted to see and i think john is a little bit of an anti-hero uh, to a to a degree i think that he's obviously trying to protect this thing this old way of life that i think does resonate with a lot of people in america at, at the moment and you know i i really i think the the, him wanting a relationship with Tate is 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 really sweet, and um, uh, putting him up on the on the seat of the the saddle and, and riding with them as they they go out, um, think hunting, um, and also you know wanting Beth to be around, right? Um, yep. And um, you know that certainly is an interesting relationship, but she's like the only daughter of these of these four boys, uh, or sorry, these four kids that John has. I and then at the same time he's doing some nefarious. What he's like, send Rip out. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. like that's bad news for whoever is on the other end oh, of receiving yeah. Rip, a guy named Rip. Bad news. Um, and even you know, to an extent, like the the thing he does at the end of episode one, the like you know, diverting the river, it, it is a little bit like nefarious to a to a degree. I mean, I know he has like people on it; like, he can do it, I guess, because uh, the police are like literally with him. But but you know, he does he does do it to like you know, disrupt what's happening. So uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting to think of um, for, for John here as, as sort of the anti-hero uh, lead of this, of this show and what I he's willing it, to do to protect what he has, you know? Yeah. I think it maps, you know, again, the like Tony Soprano of it all. I think John Dutton, like and Tony Soprano share a lot of DNA. And I think they both become rootable characters in a way that are like Walter White almost never is because of this whole Walter White ism of like, I'm doing it all for my family. Right. right. And there's a level of like authenticity that you get from John Dutton that you just don't get from those other guys that I buy into. Um, you clocked it already is like Casey as your favorite character. Yeah. Uh, is that because he's like, just slaughtering people every episode i'm just kidding i think that he's really compelling Uh he's certainly like amongst the more dramatic of the kids in like this early introduction and and somebody that a lot of folks really love uh rich i started playing a DD campaign that you are running recently and i realized that i built a character that is actually very similar to another character i i have played before and it's basically the person leaves their like there which is like a very like classic DD thing to do like leave behind your family your homeland whatever mm-hmm. go out but like this is what casey has done right uh seemingly yep. potentially kicked out uh, although i think lee says like yeah we all were told we were kicked out you're just the only one who actually went that might have been uh uh is it jamie who i'm gonna have to yeah jamie is the other yeah person. yes i think it was yeah. jamie who says that to him yeah. yeah so you know casey just to me is like i think the most interesting and compelling of 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 the kids i think at the at this point because i think his situation is much more complex than any anybody else's no offense to jamie getting into politics beth also maybe getting into politics for the end of episode three but whatever she's dealing with but casey um marrying um a native american girl having a child the complexity i think at one point someone says like we're not your people and yet yep. he has a son in tate um who very much uh, uh you know is on is you know is native american uh, the, the complexity with his father knowing that he might be able to actually make a lot more money if he went back, but he doesn't want to go back. I think all of that is compelling. And then he's, for me, the most central figure at the end of episode one, the fact that Lee gets shot by uh, Casey's brother-in-law. He then shoots him and all of that stuff that uh, Jamie is trying to basically resolve in the sense that the the lab report the, the coroner's report comes back that there's no way lee could have shot a gun after he had been shot and so this is bad news i just think all of that was the most compelling piece he's such a he's maybe even more so than john in a way much more well-rounded as a character i think the, the most well-rounded character coming out of three episodes of yellowstone that i've seen I think that's a really interesting take. I mean, John Dutton is a specialist tool. He has been forged to serve as the head of this ranch, right? Like this is what he does and he does it excellently. But Casey's clearly got a a more diverse life experience, right? He's been in the military. He's been overseas. He is like part of this community on the reservation amongst the Native Americans. Even if uh, like our our chief rainwater is going to say like, no, we're not your people. It really, you know, all of the other three kids 
uh, outside of Lee, I mean, are like imperfect to fit the role that, that John Dutton like has for them or expects for them. But Casey is like the next most obvious choice. He's the closest fit, except he's still got some like real rough edges that, that just do not fit in the way that John Dutton has configured this puzzle. That is the Yellowstone ranch. And so the ways that these, the, the conflict that creates the ways that like these things push against each other, the ways these men are similar and wildly different is really compelling. I think for me, I remember on my first pass of Yellowstone, a little bit writing Casey off because of like the franticness of these first three episodes. I think like episode one is like electric episode two with like the exploding meth lab. And we're going to have to execute this guy for a mercy killing with my wife. Who's going to give me the approval is like, okay, okay. I guess sometimes you're driving down the road and a meth lab explodes next to you. It happens. It happens, Grace. I've seen crazy stuff. I drove down yes. the highway in the Bronx once and watched a station wagon explode next to me. So I'll take it. But episode three, at the point that he's saving like child abductees, like quietly murdering people for like these Native Americans on the reservation that they're going to go bury in the middle of the night and then go to the sweat lodge with Thomas Rainwater. Like, I'm just like, oh boy, is this, are we going to do this every week? Is this is like, this is pretty intense, man. Uh, so there's a lot going on with Casey in the beginning, but I think like he's married, uh, he's got his wife, Monica, that relationship is really interesting as we kind of mm -hmm. get to towards episode three, the whole notion of his son and like how deeply he, he's going to like involve his son and his dad's machinations. Really good stuff. Big fan of Tate who maybe has my favorite line of the first three episodes, which is uh, Casey shoots the, the tractor has fallen over and he, sh and I don't, exactly know why Casey shoots it. Somebody can explain it to me. So he was trying to pull a tree stump out with the tractor, which he couldn't get out. And he gets so pissed off once the tractor flip overs, he just blows the tree stump up. That's why he's doing and then, it. And then Tate says, think the tractor was already dead. It's the first <laughs> line of the three episodes from little Tate. It's so, it's so good. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that that stuff is silly. I mean, what it's, and again, to the other piece that I feel like, Casey really resonates for me in terms of the DND-ness of it is I like a character and, and um, recently I watched one piece on Netflix, which is oh, yeah. a wild tangent on Yellowstone, but this anime that gets adapted and the central character, the main character Luffy is this like incredible optimist. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's a little bit of like some of the energy I try to bring into some of my DD characters. And mm -hmm. not that Casey is the eternal optimist. He's clearly not the eternal optimist, mm -hmm. but he's always trying to do good. He's like, you know, maybe not always, but he like there, there is like most of the time, this compulsion he's oriented by his moral compass yeah, yeah very yeah. much whether it's actually good or not is like up for debate but he's trying sure. to do at least the right thing right 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 yeah. and that's where it's like it's a little silly the scene of like the meth lab exploding and the guy he's got to kill but he's, he's like you gotta put him out of this misery and i thought it was really compelling to pull in um to pull in uh, thomas rainwater played by gil birmingham into that scene i was like kind of not expecting that to happen and i thought that the tension there is that he's like yeah i'm not ready to pull the trigger i'm like oh, we basically know something's up with casey and um and the guy who died but like not ready. i thought that was really interesting to basically like put the cards on the table instead of this be a thing of like casey's trying to hide his wrongdoings i think i thought i thought it was really compelling so i i yeah i was so drawn to casey uh and and by extension monica and tate um and obviously the end of that the uh the end of episode three um is um the 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 gentleman who dies in episode one his wife then committing suicide is like so sad so tragic. oh yeah it's it's catastrophic yeah. i mean they're really they explore the reverberations of people's actions um like action reaction choice consequences a, is a theme and a pattern that we're going to kind of get into in yellowstone that i think is pretty fulfilling uh casey i think is like a lot of people's fan favorite i think the other like um real notable of the children is beth dutton played by kelly riley she just like explodes i think off the screen a little bit in the first three episodes she is so like wildly apart from the rest of the clan obviously she is like this very formidable female presence in a pretty male dominated ensemble which like leaves her stand out to begin with but she's just different right she's like yeah. in, in the like very literal sense she's marching to the beat of her own drum compared to the rest of her family and i think that makes her very interesting not to mention how like a much overt conflict she brings to the table pretty much at any given scene that she's in it's like this is a hellraiser grace I have a family member or two that's like this, where it's just like, it's never simple. <laughs> so you can't have a conversation that is not a bit like on edge. I, I definitely felt this from Beth. But what I thought was most interesting about that is despite that, it does seem like to an extent, 
John is most eager to have her be around, uh, you know, that um, he can sort of sense this, the, the thing, the X factor she has about her that would be useful. I think I think two things. One is to have her around and also to know what she's doing. And so for her not to be apart from the from the family, I do feel like there's a little bit of knowing what happened with her this is a brutal scene i think ah, maybe- it's got wrenching right this was a big reminder yeah. for me i'm uh like this 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 shadow that hangs over her um yeah. that like beth has to deal with it's like pretty perpetual throughout it's something that we'll explore to various degrees but seeing it again i was like oh my gosh i forgot how brutal this was not good not a good line from the mom i know the mom is dying but to be like no, I think Beth should go because she's the one who made this mess. And, she's and then poor Beth not. falls off the horse. She can't yeah. even like get it done to like oh. really complicate the guilt, the survivor's guilt of this experience, Grace. Yeah, we have little Casey be like, I'll go, mom. And she's like, no, I'll just, I love you. So I'm going <laughs> to hang out with you while you're here. It's brutal. So the fact that John, I think, knows, you know, can can feel like what has happened to his child and to keep her you know, nearby, I thought was, was a really compelling story and, and re- yeah, just brutal. And I think added a lot that I maybe wasn't feeling at the end at, after episode one, I, you know, I, her relationship with Rip, you know, I think it's Rip, right. Who's like, they, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. The, Rip Wheeler. Yeah. Yeah. It's you not know. that complicated, Grace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's fun. But yeah, I really thought the, the flashback thing added uh, a dimension and, and the thing I, uh, you know, Intrigued at the end here is that she, that John only wants her around, but thinks that um, she should run for politics. They'll pick the easiest seat and she can, she can run, um, you know, to constantly sort of be in a, in a way that Casey is able to leave. I feel like Beth is, is maybe less able to do that and feeling like she's being compelled by her father to do something that she's less eager to do. I, f- I feel like that's a rough situation for her to be in. Um, the thing that strikes me about Beth in the same way I talk about like John is a specialty tool that is like built for this one thing like Beth is a little bit like that like she's got this particular capacity like in business and finance that extends outside the branch so it's kind of critical to the operation of the ranch but like she's she's really like a player at this one thing you know Um, she's a spider what do they call her an assassin they say to like Laird who is not Laird but Dan Jenkins at one point you know and he's like what am I you know Uh, so it's really she is a character that is always interesting to talk through and I think has garnered like a lot of affection from the fan base across the run. Uh, the third child here, the third living child, I should say, yeah. I'm the eldest boy, Grace. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Jamie, Jamie Dunn played by Wes Bentley. I really love Wes Bentley. I feel like he's got like Killian Murphy upside. Like, mm. I, I don't know. I think that like Wes Bentley, like he immediately just strikes you as so apart from the rest of this Dutton clan and the way that he carries himself. Uh, like Jamie is pretty interesting character, at least to me. Yeah. I don't know. So thus far he has, he has really, you know, done it for me. I feel like what's interesting is that he feels like he's going to be an outsider and he's, he, that's not really the role he's playing. That's much more. I feel like he's the, actually, despite being the most, like he wears a suit and ties, hair slicked mm-hmm. back. He doesn't look the most Dutton. Uh, he does when they go out, uh, that's also really sad. The day that the, the three brothers hang out with Tate. That's a very funny scene as well. When Tate gets mad at Lee for throwing rocks at Casey and then Tate swears at him and goes to an effer. Um, and uh, it's like, I think Jamie tags that line with like, you're right. This is a really good day because that's one of the things that Tate says. Um, but yeah, so he, like he, he can fit the part when he needs to, but he sort of plays this, you know, he's, he's a politics guy, right? He wants yep. to go into politics. And it's interesting that John tells Beth, like, we're, you know, I want you to do this thing. And yet, um, Jamie's aspirations to be in politics uh, are not something that potentially John is, is super keen on. I think at the end of episode three, Jamie says he's going to run for attorney general um, so that nobody else can be in the seat that they wouldn't want there. Um, yep. And he says like, you can't tell me what to do. And John says, you're right. I can't tell you what to do. So, um, there, there is a way where he's like, in some ways, the most in the family, in some ways, seemingly, potentially, the 
you know, I guess Casey is told to leave by John. So I, I don't know. They all kind of have tenuous relationships with John. They do. The relationship's yeah. strained for all of them. I, the, the relationship between Jamie and Beth is really interesting. These two oh, yeah. like a lot of conflict, right? Very much like uh, fire and gasoline a little bit, right? And like the back and forth, he comes to her for help. She's just like grinding on him. Like it, it's a lot between these two. And I think you're honing in on like the real important theme of Jamie Dutton, which like it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Where he's like, I'm an outsider, but he's also like such a workman trying to like get he's all this stuff done. He's covering like the autopsy reports. Yeah. yeah, he's doing a lot of work to keep his family safe and doesn't seem to get a lot of like the respect that he's due to like quote uh, the long gone Rodney Dangerfield. Like, you know, it, it's a real vibe that we explore with Jamie Dunn. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's maybe for me like the least compelling of the three, but I, mm -hmm. I not that he's not compelling. He's just, I think for me, I, I was really drawn to Casey. I think Beth, this is a very similar to succession in that there's like one the, the one daughter, the singular yep. daughter in like the male centered industry, I think is something yep. that like I'll always sort of like root for that person depending on uh, best action moving forward. Don't hold me to that. Jamie is a little bit like he just seems smart me. So I think I'm like, I don't like him. <laughs> But it's I feel you. We've talked yeah. about him a little bit, but I, I think that these twin foils that we come up with out of like the beginning of this show in Dan Jenkins and Thomas Rainwater, Chief Thomas Rainwater of Danny Houston and Gil Birmingham. I, I think it's great because neither one of them are actually like nefarious villains here, right? No. Like everybody has like a pretty reasonable perspective especially like from a, a contemporary viewpoint right such that like john dutton's fervent defense of his family land like comes into question a little bit you know but the whole like development the the like who wants condos in montana bit the self-sustaining like it's very eco-friendly of like we're gonna build our own mill we're gonna have our own power plant all this stuff i think it's a really good setup and the idea that like dan jenkins is just a little bit outclassed by this montana man who literally is gonna blow up the side of a mountain like like reroute the water like I, I love this kind of stuff Chris. <laughs> Stunning. It's the one of my favorite scenes the scene that stands out to me the most from a visual aspect is when um john sees um gosh uh, like, dan jenkins in dan the golf Jen course dan yes. jenkins playing golf and he goes on his horse and so one guy's on the you know the, the beautiful luscious uh yep. golf green and the other one on the other side of the fence in the in the ranch country and them talking about that conversation is really good and the fact that john's higher up and and uh jenkins is is lower down sort of being spoken he's trying his best to to quip uh this map but he can't he can't win john has a comeback every time but that was really good and then this idea of i and i i think again credit to this this show that i think could very easily feel like it could have a, a big, very Americana to, to put in, um, you know, Gil Birmingham and, and the, the, you know, a, a native American reservation. Um, there's this scene when, where, uh, Thomas is going to sort of threaten he's in jail because of mm -hmm. the attempt to steal the cattle. And he talks about what he's going to do when he gets out. He's like, I'm going to buy a ranch. I'm going to destroy it. And nobody will ever know it was there. And your family's legacy will be gone. And then when I'm done with that, I'm going to do that to another ranch and then another ranch. And the idea that John is trying to protect this, this thing, this, this land that he's had. And yet then you butt up against the idea that there are indigenous peoples who live on this land over here first. I actually think is like pretty compelling for a story of like, it's, you know, so I like it. Yeah. It's tremendous as he goes to get the cattle in the beginning and he's talking to the old fellow who's like our new chief. He's, he's spoiling for a fight, you know, and John's like the cattle, you know, they, they don't know where our land ends and yours begins. And he's like, yeah, neither did we until your government told us. So I think it's really compelling. They're both um, great protagonists and I, or antagonists to John Dutton. And then I think that they have like value in their perspectives and, and they stand as like really interesting foils. Both these guys are excellent actors and and they just give us great scene partners for Kevin Costner too to do like the heat thing of like Pacino and De Niro, yeah. except now they're talking over a fence in the golf yeah. course and in the, in the field. And like, there's a lot of that. And I think it resonates pretty well, certainly across season one, as we explore these relationships. Uh, that's Can I the say one, the one yeah. I was going to say is um, it actually, the, there's a breaking bed. You talked about breaking bed earlier. I know your thing was like, it's not quite like John Dutton is not Walter White, but I do think that like a Hank comp is interesting in terms of, oh, yeah. you know, I think, we've had an interesting relationship with police officers of the last few years in the country oh, yeah. of America, but to a degree, there is this thing of like, in that story, Hank is just trying to stop a man from, <laughs> from getting like terrible meth out into the world, like, like har harmful drugs off the, you know, you can talk about the world, whatever, but like, 
by and large, he's just trying, like a man trying to do a, a job and try to, you know, stop things from happening. And so in the same way, I feel like these foils for uh, John Dunn, it is interesting that they are like, you know, the, the chief of a, of a, of a Native American tribe. And then, yeah, this guy trying to build condos, you know, just trying and, and the argument for him, I think with Jenkins is that, the town is kind of like struggling. It doesn't have it these things that yeah. these like nearby towns have been able to expand. I think it's one of the first scenes that we see Jamie in. Is that not right? Is that he's yeah. arguing um, again, and, and they're trying to uh, to argue. The, I think the judge ends up saying like he hasn't proved that he has a need. He only proves that he has a want. But he's saying that these other towns have been able to successfully grow and expand. And what is the name of this town? I always think it's like a little bit silly. The town. Um, oh gosh, I don't remember like off the Bozemore or something. Something it's not that, but it's something like that. Bozeman is like a big city in Montana. This is not Bozeman. Uh they talk about it a couple of times, but I always forget the name of the actual town that the Yellowstone Ranch is set in. The Yellowstone Ranch a little bit modeled after Sheridan's own ranch. He's like uh really tried to build this kind of mega ranch with his with the like you know money that he's made in Hollywood industry right. in Texas to like preserve a lot of land. And this whole theme that we're exploring of like um, the economic impoverishment of a community that has like these vast swaths of gigantic real estate that are not being like maximized for their like income return. I relate to this again. I, I live in upstate New York and people here in New York, they think of like the big apple, like the magnificent buildings, subways and the Yankees, but there's like a whole lot of this state that is just mountains and forest. Right. And, yeah. and in a similar way, like I can relate to like these old landowners trying to like preserve these swaths of property that are not generating any revenue and the economy of like the local little town like just kind of collapses on itself you need industry to like feed an economy and the balance between these two things is like oftentimes on a razor's edge right you have one like company move out of town and like the whole economy can implode right so this like back and forth of like what's really best for the people what's best for my family what's best for your family who's what people even does this land belong to when yeah. we keep talking about like the these guys are all like fighting for the people to one degree, right? Mm -hmm. Laird for like the modern man, uh, Gil for very much like the Native American, John for like the old ranchers who aren't being represented. And like, I don't know who really has the right of it, you know, like somewhere in the middle, probably. And this is a lot of where we're going to spend our time talking through the rest of the season grace um I, I just want to stop down real quick before we like part ways and ask you about jimmy jimmy is very much like our point of view character to a certain degree of like this kid that they're going to brand and drag into the ranch and literally tape to a horse but how you feeling about the path of jimmy so far <laughs> poor jimmy i mean i mean maybe potentially better than what he was up to when we first meet him but not to i don't think he needs to be branded and then to literally duct taped to a horse but yeah we'll see we'll see what happens to jimmy uh the john thinks maybe he has a little bit of cowboy in him after he literally throws up so we'll see yeah. My grace, we're uh, we're gonna be back again next week. We're gonna be mm -hmm. talking through episode four, the long black train. Uh, you got any final thoughts before we part ways here? No, it's fun. I can see why the show was a hit. I am excited to watch more of it. I know it's season one is is nine episodes. I think right a a two parter finale. Yep, um, two parter finale. Yep. I think the interesting thing will, you know, it's sort of to go back to the meta of it all and why we're doing this is that CBS decided to put it on Sunday nights. And interestingly, the writer strike, the Writers Guild of America, presumably has presumably has a tentative deal on the I mean, not presumably, they definitely do have a tentative deal. That deal means it's tentative, it's not been fully agreed to. It still uh, uh, requires approval after it's been fully written out. That does not mean the actors are not off strike, they are still striking. It, Presumably that could last a couple more weeks. It could last a lot longer if the studios don't agree. So I think really interesting to see one of these bigger strikes that was sort of causing delays. I don't think the most important one, if I'm being mostly honest, I think that a lot of delays that we're seeing, um, especially with movies are mostly because you can't have your stars pr promote them. I think actually this fall has not been, um, it's not the dearth of content that I think, um, no, I saw a, a debate. People anticipated. Yep. I saw a debate online today about Ratty using the word content. Maybe we're not supposed to be using content content these are television and film uh rich but alas um i don't think it's a problem for this fall i do think potentially 
even though the the writer strike has been agreed to, and depending on how long the actor strike goes on, that um, the winter TV schedule might look a little lighter if things don't uh, come to an agreement. So, uh, but I'm interested to see if CBS is committed to the long term. If these, especially if the writer strike ends relatively soon, whether CBS goes through with the idea to have all five seasons air. Yeah, a tangent, night. but a thing that uh, I've certainly talked to you about a little bit off air is the notion that I think that these streaming services do themselves a terrible, terrible disservice because they're making incredible televisions and film, not content, that are then like siloed and airlocked away behind their paywall. And nobody's able to discover these properties in the way that we used to, where we're all going to be watching Friends every Thursday night or whatever. It's must-see TV. Um, I think there's been so much incredible art created on for like the small screen over the past five years that is so isolated in terms of the exposure to audiences it gets. Uh, total non-sequitur, but I recently saw a band of brothers in the pacific mm. on netflix mm -hmm. and i was delighted at that because i think these are two of maybe like i don't know hot take the, the most important television shows to have ever been made yeah. and like we should get these things out there i think yeah. that these companies are like they're they're shooting their own feet left and right by making awesome programming that nobody gets to discover because they are not subscribed to your particular service grace we'll be back in one mm -hmm. week's time we will be talking about episode four of yellowstone until then where can people find you well, very good segue here. Shows that people should see. You, Errol, and I finished watching Dark, show that everybody should see. Did some time travel mm -hmm. movies for a bit, and now we're watching Tales from the Loop. So that is a show that came out in April of 2020. Uh, it was on Amazon Prime. It's a little bit dark in nature, so I think that, that folks uh, were to put off by it a little bit as we launched into a worldwide global pandemic. But I think it now is the time for people to check out Tales from the Loop as you, myself, and Ariel are talking about it each week um errol and i are also talking about movies each week we should be chatting about dumb money this week which is about the GameStop um thing that happened in oh uh, yes COVID in i love it yes yeah. Yeah, Paul Dano, uh, Seth Rogen, uh, Nick Offerman, very fun. Um, Aaron and I are also talking the morning show each week. And um, also, I'll just take the opportunity. I think it got announced on the Patreon Discord today. But Jess Sterling and I are launching a new show. There should be a trailer out for it this week called Full Spoiler Recap, which is going to be sort of the one-stop shop kind of for shows that um, we'll binge watch. Um, so um, it is not rewatches. This is new content. <laughs> Sorry, apologies. TV shows that are coming out um it gave some examples one piece would have been a place that probably full spoiler recap would have been a good place for that heart stop or sex education these shows that drop in binge shows or maybe weekly but don't um, need weekly coverage of them Jess sterling and i are going to launch into uh we're going to binge a tv show a week rich is our plan so i uh, am very yeah. impressed and very excited i on the other hand am out here covering shows that do need weekly recaps <laughs> every week uh -huh. like ahsoka and the wheel of time both yeah. of which are approaching their penultimate episodes of their eight episode season coming up um i'm very excited to be talking tales from the loop with you and ariel i'm talking about the winter king and new uh series streaming over on mzm plus kind of a gritty arthurian retelling i'm keeping busy grace i'm on twitter i'm at dm philly uh you're high from grace uh yeah i'm high from grace uh you should follow both of us you should hit us up with your feedback about yellowstone thank you all for joining us we will be back next week but until then don't let any strangers kick your door down and brand you 